These next five years are going to see Africa become the crypto continent in a way none of us can imagine. It's going to be a real underdog story. It's going to be beautiful. Servus and greetings from Vienna. My name is Anita Posch. Thank you for listening to Bitcoin und Co., my podcast that's introducing the philosophy, ideas and people behind Bitcoin. Hello again. On today's episode, I talk with Ray Youssef. He's the co-founder and CEO of Paxful, a peer-to-peer -peer marketplace for money transfers serving about 4 million people in every country of the world. If you have a question about the podcast or Bitcoin, feel free to visit the episode page at anita.link forward slash 59. There you will find an audio recorder to record your question. For all the German speakers, yesterday I published a German podcast episode about Bitcoin in times of COVID-19. You can find it on anita.link forward slash de. Before we start, a message from my sponsors. Not your keys, not your coins, is one of the basic rules in Bitcoin. Therefore, I definitely recommend using a hardware wallet, which is what most professional crypto experts use for those who have problems or difficulties with the technical requirements and constant maintenance of hardware wallets for long-term safe storage. There is the card wallet. The card wallet is a very simple and secure solution for long-term storage of Bitcoin and Ethereum. No software updates needed, it's 100% offline and it leaves no traces on the blockchain. You can give it away as a gift or inheritance. You can send Bitcoin to it and all you have to do is to store it in a safe place. The manufacturers are the Austrian State Printing House and Coinfinity, Austria's first Bitcoin broker founded in 2014. Order your card wallet at cardwallet.com forward slash Anita and get 20% off. If you're interested in more Bitcoin-related podcasts, then check out the Let's Talk Bitcoin network at letstalkbitcoin.com, where you can find a number of other highly relevant Bitcoin podcasts today. Hello, Ray. Thanks for taking the time to do this interview with me today. Hello, Anita. Thank you so much for having me. Ray, you are the co-founder and CEO of Paxful. We will get deeper into the values and goals of Paxful a little later. Can you please start with a short introduction to what Paxful is doing? In which countries is it operating and how many people are you serving? Paxful is a people-powered marketplace for money transfers for anywhere, anyone, anytime, no borders. Paxful has a, serves about almost 4 million people in every country in the world, but our biggest user bases are in emerging markets like Africa, India, and also the United States. We serve the entire world. Uh, I thought your focus is on emerging uh, countries, and I didn't know that you also have a focus on the U.S. That's interesting. I mean, I know you have an office in, the, in New York. I've been there. I, I met with one of your marketing people last year. Oh, nice. I was looking forward to do this interview with you since February because uh, back then I heard an interview with you when I was sitting in the plane to Zimbabwe to prepare myself to know a little bit more about Bitcoin usage in Africa. 
And I really like the way you approach things and also your attitude to business and life seems to be quite different from what the, I would say, sleek Silicon Valley founder style is. Is maybe your life story and your upbringing a reason for that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not one of those uh, Silicon Valley boys. You know, I'm a first-generation immigrant, African immigrant to the United States. My parents came to New York City from Egypt when I was two years old. I grew up working in their newsstand in Columbus Circle. It's in Hell's Kitchen in Manhattan in the 80s, which was quite a different time, very different New York. So, you know, I grew up working on the street and understanding how to deal with people. And then I uh, got a computer when I was 19, and I started uh, developing right away, teaching myself the code. Had two startups, which were successful, my first two. Then I thought I, you know, I needed a break. Was, uh, I was in the ringtone business, honestly, and it was, uh, it was extremely difficult. It was just when Napster went down. I had to deal with all the record labels. Anyway, long story short, I took a break after buying my mother a, uh, a brownstone in New York. That was my dream. And then I took a break, traveled the world, did boxing, MMA, what they call the ashes time and uh, my mother got a divorce so now i said i have to buy her another place so i came back and i started working hard again i thought i was going to hit it big with the midas touch instead i had 11 failures in a row until i finally got to paxville oh that's very interesting i mean i read about that story a little bit i found a website within a story about you and i found also the part that you were a mixed martial art fighter <laughs> so did you do this really for money No, it wasn't for money. It was uh, just to uh, understand myself a little bit, know what my limitations were, know the kind of person I really was. I was searching for myself. I was, uh, you know, I was a super nerd. I still am a super nerd. But my first two startups I built by myself, completely bootstrapped. And it took a big toll on my life. It, I was trying to understand who I was, what I was here to do. So I wanted to explore other parts ah. of myself. Okay, I understand. And that's why you also tried to be an actor. Yeah, yeah, which I enjoyed. I enjoy writing scripts far more, though. It seems to me like a, a lifelong learning and then getting to what you are and also to find the thing you really like to do. And it seems that this came perfectly together with Bitcoin in a way. Absolutely. I mean, looking at my job now as a CEO of Paxful, I could not do this job unless I had the lessons that every single one of those 11 failures taught me that year. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Literally, I could not do this job unless I had every single one of those experiences. So here I am, guys, you know, six years ago in New York City, I was uh, homeless with my co-founder. We were surfing couches just to get by. We had run to the end of our savings and we had to make some really hard decisions. But the values that we learned have stayed with us. Paxwell has three values. Um, Only three, but they're great ones. They're one, stay connected to the street. Two, build for people. Paxful is not an abstract thing that machines use. It's a real tool that people use. And three, be heroic. And I'll be happy to talk to you about how those three manifest every day here at Paxful. Yes, we will talk about that. That's, uh, I think I, I, you also mentioned another five values. I think we can talk about that later. And one of this is, uh, social, social justice, I think. And I'm interested in that. So one of your, uh, startups was called Easy Bits. Yeah. What, what did you do there? What did you try to do? We were trying to get retail merchants like bars and hot dog vendors, restaurants to accept Bitcoin using a POS. And uh, it 
flopped. <laughs> we tried it for a year and a half, but no one had any Bitcoin to use. So it wasn't in the interest of merchants to train their staff on how to accept Bitcoin. It just didn't make any sense. We were trying to solve a problem that did not exist. And that goes back to our second value. We build for people, meaning it starts people first. You have to go to the people, find out what problems they have, and build something to help them with their problems. So we said, okay, we're going to pivot. What problems do we have? Me and my co-founder, Artur, looked around and said, hey, man, we don't even have an apartment. We, this is bad. We need to make some money, right? So a friend of ours came up to us one day and said, hey, guys, you know you can make money selling Bitcoin for gift cards? I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah, you can take a PayPal My Cash gift card and uh, you can buy one of those cards and charge it up, uh, charge up your PayPal account and spend it. And he said, you can get a $500 PayPal My Cash gift card with $250 worth of Bitcoin. I didn't believe it, but I was desperate. I had nothing to lose. I barely had 300 bucks of Bitcoin left. So I did it. It worked. All of a sudden, I had 500 bucks for 250 bucks. And I just kept repeating that. And then we weren't homeless anymore. And we're like, hey, this gift card thing is, is incredibly profitable. It's, we didn't know it at the time, but it's absolutely the best way to onboard the unbanked. And there's 40 million unbanked in the United States, which we'll get to later. So then we decided, hey, let's build a system that allows people to get their Bitcoin quickly and sell their Bitcoin too, especially focused around uh, things like gift cards and other digital assets. And that's how Paxful was born. Previous to Paxful, we were trading on local Bitcoins Bitcoin talk forum, Reddit, WhatsApp, etc. So we just took the best of what we we're doing and put it together into a cohesive product. And it worked. But where does this premium come from? I mean, how is it possible that you can make $250 uh, with selling a gift card for Bitcoin? It's a free market. So anyone can put up any offer they want there. You know, our gift card premiums are very, very high. They go up to 50% anywhere from 10 to 50%, depending on the gift card. So it's a free market, right? Anyone can put up any rate they want. If, you know, some guys, uh, mostly from China, we call them vendors, right? People that uh, will put up an offer and say, hey, give me your $100 Amazon gift card, and I'll give you back 80 bucks worth of Bitcoin or 50 bucks worth of Bitcoin. And the offer just sits there. They have their Bitcoin in their wallet. If someone starts to deal with them, the Bitcoins go to escrow. There just has to be people that are willing to take that deal. And what we started seeing was that there are many people that were willing to take that deal, even up to 50% loss, especially in places like Africa. And we wondered why. Why are they willing to take such a big loss here? It's a great question. Uh, Matt Arlong wrote an article called uh, Paxful, why Paxful is the most important Bitcoin company you've never heard of. And in that article, he gets into actual use cases. So it turns out a lot of Western Africans, especially, uh, started using Paxful and Bitcoin for remittance. So previously, their route looks like, hey, get, you know, your friend in California or brother to send money to Western Union, and it'll come to you, you know, after two days, it'll take you a day waiting on some super long line, you'll lose about 20%. Then they find out about Paxful. So basically, they tell their relative in California, hey, buy me an Amazon gift card, a $1,000 Amazon gift card, and give me a copy of the code on the back of the card. They do it, they get, they, then the guy in Nigeria will take the code. Start a trade on Paxful, sell it to a guy, most likely in China, but it could be India, anywhere, Singapore. And then he'll get Bitcoin, and then the fellow, the African fellow, will take the Bitcoin and then sell it to another fellow in Africa, in Nigeria, and say, hey, here's the Bitcoin in escrow. I want you to turn, send Naria cash to my bank account. Here's my bank account number. Boom. 
So with two trades, they converted a gift card into cash in their bank account halfway around the world. That's just an example of one of the remittance trade routes and corridors happening on Paxful now. Yeah, I mean, I have seen you have about more than 300 payment services on Paxful. I mean, that's huge. How do you manage all those? Well, yes, it is far bigger than anyone else. However, uh, soon that might be 3,000 or even 2,000. I mean, I'll give you guys, you know, here's just some perspective. In Africa, there are 2,000 methods of payment alone, 2,000 payment networks in Africa. Only 3% of them talk to each other. So just so you folks understand how, you know, someone, uh, I was mentioning this, and then someone on Twitter said, hey, but Africa doesn't need all this peer-to-peer finance. They have M-Pesa. It works. M-Pesa is a great service in Kenya, started by a telco, Safaricom. M-Pesa also works in seven other countries in Africa. And here's the deal. An M-Pesa user in Ghana cannot send money to an M-Pesa user in Kenya. They are also balkanized by the country. That's how backwards and broken the African financial system is. So, of course, people need these services to be able to move in and out of all these walled gardens. Yeah, and therefore they are prepared to pay a premium because at least it works. Exactly. And that's what people have to understand about the emerging world. And in the beginning, you know, I, I was like, man, 10% for Western Union, that's too much. Why should you take 10%? And then you actually go talk to these people. Like I've talked to them almost every day, you know, especially in the beginning, especially with like, you know, people from emerging markets. Uh, well, sorry, in the beginning it was the United States. It was, it was uh, the unbanked from the United States. I talk to them and they don't really mind paying more. They really don't. They just want the thing to work and they don't want any trouble in their lives. They want it to be fast. Speed is important. They're very happy to do that. Because like you said, the alternative is they can't do what they need to do at all. Uh, which is also, I think, a reason why they don't care so much about privacy like we do, because they are happily using Facebook because it's the the only possibility for them to exchange and uh, to communicate with each other online. Absolutely. It's a great point. You know, here in the West, in, in the crypto space, there's a lot of people that, are, you know, they're very visible and they don't want to be visible. They want to be invisible, right? But there's 4 billion other humans on the planet that are completely invisible and are desperate to be visible in any way. And those are the people that we chose to serve. So, you know, I, I told this at the uh, Baltic Honey Badger conference with all the, you know, privacy-focused people. I said, yeah, I'm a privacy-focused person too. I'm with you guys as a libertarian. But I'm not here to serve you guys. I don't really think you have that big of a problem compared to the other people that absolutely are paralyzed by their invisibility. I'm here to help them. You were living in New York by the time when you had the idea for Paxful, or did you? I mean, how, how did you find out that you want to cater Africa and emerging countries? Because you could also concentrate on the U.S. only. Well, the truth is I didn't figure out anything either. <laughs> I mean that. Uh, sir, I mean, there's some really, really smart people here at Paxful, but what makes us great is that we listen to our people. Ideas don't just come out of our heads. We have our e ears glued to the streets. And the first wave that Paxful had, I mean, Paxful in the very beginning was doing very little volume, like a few little gift cards, a few friends that we taught how to do it, and they were all going on there. Very vibrant, but small. Then one night I get a phone call. It's like three o'clock in the morning. Me and my co-founder were laid out on the couch of a WeWork in Soho. And we were happy to be there. It was alternatives would be on the street or surf a couch at some crazy girl's house. So I get a call at three o'clock in the morning. And it's this lady and she's, she's yelling and she's screaming. And she says she's in pain. She's scared. She's like, Hey, I'm down to my last $13 and I need this bitty con. 
Bitcoin, <laughs> she called it. She didn't even know how to pronounce Bitcoin. So I, I dig a little deeper. You know, I, I was intrigued. Like, how did this person get my number? Who are they? Well, they found my number on uh, Paxful.com website. No one ever bothered to call me before. And it turns out this poor lady had been surfing the internet for three hours or more just trying to get Bitcoin, and she couldn't. Why? Because lo and behold, she did not have a bank account. This was a white lady in Louisiana. No bank account. Didn't want a bank account. I asked her, how did you get stuff before? How do you buy stuff online? She was trying to order an ad on Backpage.com, right? And then she said, I go to the drugstore, buy a gift card. And I put in the number and it works. One vanilla Visa gift card, she said. I said, okay, how many other gift cards do they have? She mentioned all of them, Best Buy, Target, Walmart, etc. cetera. I said, okay, go and buy any one of those gift cards with your last $10. Then I, I basically I went and secured someone that could take a ten dollar gift card. He would charge a very very high margin because it was a lot of work to process a ten dollar gift card. But she only needed two dollars and fifty cents from Bitcoin. Anyway, I walked her through every step of the way. Took a couple of hours, and I saw through her eyes. And I, then I redesigned the whole process to help people like that, non technical people that just needed something very simple. I was on the phone for almost six months straight after that first call. And that really helped define Paxful and our values. We rose to the occasion to help these people that no one else in the space cared about. You know, Brian Armstrong was not going to get on the phone with these people and, and help them walk them through getting and using their first Bitcoin without a bank account, right? Everyone just ignored these people. We did not because we remember that Bitcoin was created to help these people. It really was. So how could we ignore them? And how do you collaborate or work together with the people in Africa, for instance? I mean, the people who work for you, are they from the streets, from the countries where you have your platform? Yes. So Paxil, we have a, something called the Paxil Peer Program, and it's enormously successful. It brings people from all over the world, and they represent Paxil as ambassadors, associates, peers. <laughs> So that program has been proven to be tremendously successful, but just the point that, you know, we didn't really go, I mean, me and my co-founder went physically to Africa four years ago, and we saw how amazing the situation was, meaning the people were brilliant, you know, the young people and entrepreneurs there, there were just like an army of them. They were all one more amazing than the next, and we're like, wow, you know, the greatest natural resource of Africa is truly in the heads of its young people. These guys are ready to move forward. Right. They just need a path. They need jobs. They need a way to start their own business. And there, once we saw the problems in Africa, all the financial problems that these folks had to deal with, and I can give you guys examples. So you really understand what the average African has to deal with. We saw the quality of the people and we saw the problems that they had. And we said, okay, this is going to become the world's first crypto continent because, you know, back then no one believed in Africa and Bitcoin. They all said, Hey, there's no way. Those people are, you know, making two dollars a day are ever going to buy Bitcoin from you. They laughed, literally laughed in our face. We said, "Well, we think things are going to be different." So, for the past four years, Paxful has done a lot in Africa. Not only have we gone there, I talk to the people every day. We're building three schools there. Two schools are completed. We're building the third one now. Our mission is to build a hundred schools across Africa and the emerging world. It's called Built with Bitcoin. We're building wells. We're going to open up an incubation center there as well. We did a campus tour last year across eight universities. It was tremendously successful. I'm very happy to share the results of that and how it helped us. I think everyone in the crypto scene, I think the next one we do should join us. I think it'll be amazing. But 
just to answer your question that you actually asked, and you know, but I'm not doing a good job of that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the African people came to us once they saw that this was a service that was made for normal people, it was built for people, and that we were responsive. And they could actually use it because they could get gift cards. Meaning when we got to Africa, we went to Nigeria, that was four years ago, we, the price of Bitcoin was 20 to 30% over market. And it's still the case in many African countries today. It's hard to get Bitcoin into those countries because it's hard to get money out of those countries to buy the Bitcoin. But those are the countries that need Bitcoin most of all. So we set out to actually first bring Bitcoin into Africa. And Nigeria is the biggest economy in Africa, the biggest population, the biggest port, busiest port city. We said, okay, Nigeria, this is the place where the people here have immense hustle. So the hustle is real. So we focused on that and we allowed them because they can access an uh, electronic asset, gift cards, turn into Bitcoin, connected them with China. And now over $60 million a week goes through that one trade route alone. It's poured a tremendous amount of Bitcoin into Africa. And you can see the price of Bitcoin Tenaria is almost market price now. So that is an achievement we're proud of. But we didn't do it. The African people did it for us. And we just, you know, helped them along. So basically, you brought Bitcoin into Nigeria, into Africa, over your rails in a way. Yes, it, this was the only way to do yeah. it because if you talk to any company that does business in Nigeria, they'll say the hardest part is getting money out of the country. Uh, How do you do that? We solved that problem with gift cards and the tremendous hustle and business acumen of the Nigerian people along with the Chinese, bring that all together, throw Bitcoin in there, stir it up and boom, you have quite an awesome case study. In my opinion, I think it's the greatest case study of a real use case in Bitcoin thus far, by far actually. Yeah. And it's interesting that we don't hear more about it. I mean, I went to Zimbabwe this February because I thought I would like to contribute in a way to bring the word out from Africa to Europe and to the US and to the Bitcoin community that this is a real use case and that actually there would be the, the big, the big markets, the big chances, not only for entrepreneurs, but also for the people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're seeing that now. Africa is leading all of our volume right now, and it's growing tremendously. And every time a new country comes online, we start to see exponential growth. So, you know, this these next five years are going to see Africa become the crypto continent in a way none of us can imagine. It's going to be a real underdog story. It's going to be beautiful. Mm -hmm. Did the COVID-19 crisis have an impact on the numbers of buyers and your trading volume? Yes. In the beginning, it sent uh, the big, the, our trading volume down by like 10%. But then the next month, it jumped up by 20%, 30% total if you count the month before that. And the user, the user signups jumped by 40%. So there was a little dip and then a tremendous explosion. And what we're seeing consistently is that the whole world is going to start going peer to peer right now. Because people are beginning to ask questions. They don't trust the institutions they've been dealing with and the ways they've been doing things. They want other solutions that can't be taken so easily away from them, where they don't have to ask for permission. And naturally, that will lead people to type Bitcoin to a search engine and say, okay, what is this thing and how can it help me? And eventually, they'll find out about peer-to-peer -peer finance. They'll find Paxful first. They'll go there and they'll say, okay, once I have this Bitcoin, oh, wait a minute. I can turn it into money in an African bank anywhere or a bank in the United States. I can turn it into Alipay or make a WeChat pay payment or a PayPal deposit with it. This is amazing. And it all starts from there. The African people really understand how to you know, create something out of nothing. 
I heard you talking about four or five basic values that Paxful is operating on. Like uh, one of these is social justice. What do you mean by that? And why is it so important for you? Yeah, they're actually, uh, we refer to them as use cases of Bitcoin. So there's seven total use cases. Uh, the first was gray markets. You know, every technology starts there. Then speculation, that's where we're currently at. And then there's five other use cases. There's payments, remittance, e-commerce, wealth preservation. Right. And then the magical seventh use case we like to call social justice or sometimes social good. I like the word social justice a lot better because, you know, there's, there's people in the world that should not be in the position that they are in. Uh, I come from an abundance mindset. I don't believe in scarcity. I believe there's enough to go around for everyone. I believe the technology that we have today, everyone could be living an amazing life, driving a great car, traveling the world. Everyone could be eating well. Call me crazy. But I believe in that world, and that world is only possible if there is no war. And wars are only possible if bankers can print fake money. That's why we call it Paxful. We named our company Paxful. Pax means peace in Latin. So our name of our company is basically peaceful. We want to bring about world peace to an honest money system. That's all that's needed. Once that happens, you're going to start seeing abundance and prosperity break out all over the world. And I'm not ashamed to say that. I mean, that's not, not something to be ashamed about in a way. So social justice for us, we thought really long and hard about it. And I was someone that never really believed in giving to charity. I was like, ah, you give these guys money, who knows where it goes to? They're just, you know, throwing parties or paying their costs. Like how much it actually goes to the people. Then I met this fellow on Instagram. His name was Yusuf Nasri. He had an organization called Zamzam Water. He was building an orphanage in Afghanistan. I was so inspired by the video he made. I reached out and became quick fast friends and uh, the, the guy is honestly the most just forthright human i've ever met he's, he's so honest he's literally an angel everything you give these guys goes a hundred percent to the people a hundred percent goes if you want to get a donation to their administrative costs you can do that but you have to specify separately so anyway fast forward to the future yusuf built our first two schools and he also built our first well in rwanda so we have some really big plans here, Anita, for Africa. We, we're on school number three right now out of you know, 100, so we're 3% of the way through. We're hoping to increase the speed of that if other companies join our Built with Bitcoin initiative, which is a plan to build 100 schools across Africa and the emerging world. And we're also going to build wells as well, because the first uh, water well we built in Rwanda is now serving a half a million citizens of Bugasera district who are very happy to go there, spend a penny for a jerkin, which makes it sustainable, meaning that we can actually hire people to work there. And the whole thing were ROI in two years. So these wells save the African people tremendous time. You know, they save six hours out of the day of the eldest son from fetching water, meaning that eldest son can go to school, meaning it's a tremendous bonus to the GDP of Africa in general. Imagine if we had one of those wells in every district in Africa. Imagine if we had 100 schools across Africa. Imagine if we had incubators, crypto fintech incubators in all the major cities in Africa. That is the plan of Pax Africana, and it goes even further than that, even further than bringing people financial services, water, and education, which are the trifecta of civilization in general. We also have big plans to give people uh, cell phones, you know, Pax We'll be giving people free open source cell phones with data. That's a huge thing in Africa and allowing them to communicate with their family and friends, allowing them to have an ID. 
We want to give people an ID that their government hasn't even given an ID. And believe me, there's hundreds of millions of those people in Africa. We do that. We open them up to a credit rating. It's a massive boost to a, in a country's economy. And we believe it's going to create a golden age in Africa and raise up the entire continent. As crazy as this sounds, Anita, this is how we think here at Paxful. We're completely bootstrapped. We never took money from any VC, but we're already dreaming of causing massive geopolitical rabid prosperity and abundance throughout all of Africa. That's how yeah, we Yeah, well, that, that's, that's a huge vision and a huge plan because, I mean, I just wanted to ask you about internet connection, you know, because I saw how people struggle to pay for their mobile data. Yeah. So they cannot really install a Bitcoin wallet on their phone. But on the other hand, in Zimbabwe, everybody is using EcoCash and it's the same like with M-Pesa. I mean, uh, EcoCash belongs to a company. So it's, of course, not permissionless. And also the government takes 2% of every digital transaction. So people are really ripped off there. And do you also have plans for solar powered things? Like, I mean, there's so much sun in Africa. Wouldn't it be a good place for Bitcoin mining too? Uh, I can't speak about Bitcoin mining, but I would love to get into that with our incubators and fund some Bitcoin marketing operations in Africa. We already have solar panels in the first school in Rwanda that's power, you know, all the, the, the phones. We have a power station there as well so definitely we're going to be we're constantly maintaining these schools like for example this year we added a clinic and a sports field to the first two schools in rwanda and we're paying for the upkeep we're paying the teacher's salary we're paying for lunches and things like that so it's not just building schools it's, it's supporting them and it's a process of continual advancement upgrading it, it's kind of like playing a game of sim city right you're always trying to upgrade your town but here it's real people whose lives we're positively affecting. So we're very proud of that. And we want to accelerate the vision of Built with Bitcoin even more. So this is a shout out to everyone out there. If you want to help build wells, you want to help build schools for real people, real children, something that is sustainable and not going away, only going to grow, go to builtwithbitcoin.org. You can make a direct donation there to ZamZam Water. You know, the, Yusuf called me up a couple of days ago and he's like, someone just sent me $10,000 of Bitcoin. Who was it? Was it you? And I was like, no, it wasn't me. He didn't know where it came from. But there's a lot of good people in this world and we can do a lot together. Wow, that's great. Congratulations. That's a very great idea and plan. I had a question from one of my listeners who's also already selling and buying Amazon gift cards for Bitcoin. <laughs> and he was asking me, Amazon is forbidding the sale of Amazon gift cards, the, the trading with it. Do those companies give you any trouble? Yeah, pretty much every single one of them have sent us a cease and desist of some kind. And, you know, we, we, we have a warning there on every page of our website saying we're not, we don't have anything to do with those companies, you know, and we're not affiliated with them. We don't use their logos. But the real issue is, is a lot worse than that because that's just a legal triviality. You know, we're allowed to do whatever we, people can do whatever they want on a platform as far as it's legal the it's a free market the issue is that these gift card companies have imposed a data embargo upon us and the entire world meaning they don't give you any way to check if an itunes code is good or if an amazon code is good or if any of these other codes are good what that does is it opens up a huge market for fraud because and this is something called ripping which is a very real problem peer-to-peer, -peer, especially with gift cards, 
And we're trying to find a solution for it. So basically, a ripper is someone that takes your gift card code and doesn't give you the Bitcoin because they claim your code is bad. But because you don't know if your code is good, sometimes there's no way for you to check. There's no way for our moderators to check. Sometimes we have no choice but to award it to the market maker since they're the ones taking all the risk processing these gift cards. So it's a very difficult balance to get right. But this data embargo by the gift card companies is a real crime, in my opinion. It is truly a crime. It has hurt so many people. It has caused so much pain. It's forced us to try to you know, make all these workarounds for it. We actually created a special operation within our company to handle it and a special task force to bust these rippers and to protect a lot of our African gift card uh, sellers. So yes, Vanita, that's a, that's a great question. And it gets on to a much, much bigger question, which is, again, one of the challenges we have to deal with in trying to onboard the emerging world. If I would try to buy or sell Bitcoin on Paxful, I would not know how to be sure that I'm not ripped off. Yeah, so 99.5% of all trades on Paxful happen without any problems whatsoever. Great feedback, good reviews, super fast. But that half of 1%, That's the where we're focused on. So this number is actually pretty amazing. We're not satisfied with it, of course, but considering that we operate in the highest fraud rate markets in the world, and considering we deal so heavily in gift cards, which are extremely risky, local Bitcoins just took down their whole gift card section because they couldn't handle it. Half of 1% is really an amazing achievement. You know, this company nearly like went, went down because of all the you know just the, the, the fraud and scams we had to fight off in the first like, you know two two years ago especially we were just like just uh, i didn't sleep for about three months let me put it through that way it was pretty intense but this is the challenge that we have to take on to help the emerging world and this is where a lot of people like they don't understand they say hey ray i look at your twitter timeline there's a lot of people pissed off and accusing you of locking their funds and, and scamming them i'm like well you know They're like, well, how can you be a CEO of a company like this and say you're helping Africa if you're getting messages like this? And I tell them very simply, hey, if you're not getting messages like that, then you're not helping Africa. You're not even trying. Because we're going to a place that has been broken, that has been shattered. There's people out there that are all like, they have no opportunities whatsoever. I can't blame some of them for, you know, going on there and trying to game the system a little bit. But at the same time, we have to have zero tolerance because if, you know, marketplaces are balanced, if you let something get out of whack, it can destroy the whole marketplace. So it's not an easy answer, Anita. There are tremendous challenges in the emerging world, especially Africa and India, etc., China as well. But we have to rock them. We have to go through them to accomplish this mission. There's no other way around it. It's not going to be you know, the cleanest or uh, prettiest smelling thing sometime. We have to, you know, being on the street, means exposing yourself to a certain kind of, you know, just uh, energy. And we have to go be like higher than that to help those people. Because a lot of them just want help. They just want a path. If you show them, hey, you don't have to game or, or pull a scam or do anything you can make the money legally, they're very happy to do it that way. And that's what we're seeing on PAX. We've literally minted, I don't know how many millionaires across the world, but especially in Africa. What would you say to young people, entrepreneurs who want to uh, change something, who want to start something? Should they go to Africa or maybe let's say it in the other way? If we, if we think our audience is from Africa, what would you say to them to embrace their wish to be an entrepreneur and doing something for the community and for themselves? 
Yeah. So being an entrepreneur is something I can definitely talk about. And being an entrepreneur starts with one thing. First, you know, find a problem. Find a problem that real humans have and try to solve it, right? And try to solve it not just for everybody, but try to solve it for a specific and like as, as just as a concentrated a user community as possible, one that you preferably have direct access to and can constantly be listening to them and iterating on your product. If you can get those two things down, you can start building things. And if you're going to go to Africa, whether you're white, black, or whatever, the first thing to do is always focus on the team building. You know, if you're from America or Europe and you want to go to Africa to start a business, great. Find your African co-founder. You're not going to go in there and do this without the Africans. In fact, the Africans are going to lead it. You know, we from the West are kind of guests here. And we have to have the right mindset about Africa. And this is essential to success. So many people, so many businesses, when we talk about Africa, they're like, yeah, we're going to go and this is our market penetration strategy. And this is how we're going to take all this land. And this is gonna it sounds like, you know, a serial rapist talking about his next victim, right? That's, that's not conducive to, to, uh, entering in a new market. And the African people have a great sixth sense about that. They're like, ah, more of this colonizing BS, right? And they just ignore it. Even, even M Pesa flopped in South Africa. This is another African company that couldn't make their network stick in another African country. That should give you some understanding about how unique the situation over there. You know, there's a lot of, you know, clustered, uh, communities, but, our job and our value is to bring unity to all of that. And we can do it by uh, following the entrepreneur template, which I just went into. I would be interested in what you think about the chances for female entrepreneurs, because I saw on Twitter, I think yesterday or the day before, one of your followers wrote, how is the situation in Nigeria for female entrepreneurs? Yeah, that was Maxine Ryan. Yeah, she's, she's probably the best, uh, probably definitely the best lady, business lady in all of crypto. She's amazing. Uh, she built up BitSpark over five years and you know, Maxine and, and George, our co-founder, they always smell an opportunity, right? And they're, they're not afraid. So they're like, yeah, like Nigeria is the place. And I'm like, yeah, Nigeria is the place. So female entrepreneurs, uh, I advise you to go all in on Africa, maybe not Nigeria. First off, you know, it's Lagos is like uh, Miami in the eighties on steroids. It's, it's an amazing city. You've never experienced anything like it, but Africa is very safe for female entrepreneurs, especially Kenya, South Africa. Nigeria is just a little more high testosterone intensity, but I invite all female entrepreneurs, come to Johannesburg, come to Cape Town, meet some of the amazing people there, come to our Bitcoin center when we open it up. I think there's a huge future for women in Africa. And what I've noticed is that in the African uh, kind of tribal money systems, you know, they call them Chama in Kenya or Isusu in Nigeria or Stockfell in uh, South Africa. There are these money rotation clubs and they're usually staffed by women. You know, women actually, I think they control and circulate the majority of the world's money. They just don't own it, unfortunately. But in Africa, it's, you know, the women are always trying to find ways to use their money better to help each other. And that's where all these social clubs are formed. So I think women can definitely lead the future in Africa. The truth is women lead most financial revolutions right like especially products they find something that works they introduce it to the family first they're the ones that have to circulate the flow of money the men are just working and making the money and giving it to the women depending on the culture but i think africa i think honestly the future of africa women will play a huge part 
in the financial future of Africa, far more than women in the West play. And that's sad to say, but I believe it to be true. Now you said, Jess, again, you w wanted to talk a little bit about the unbanked in the US because I think it's a huge uh, amount of people who are unbanked, actually. Yeah, there is a huge 40 million unbanked people in the United wow. States. And a lot of them don't want a bank account. They use these check cashing places that you'll see in some of the major cities. Come here and cash your check. And, you know, I, I encourage everyone, you know, to uh, go into one of those check cashing places and to see how they work and if possible observe a transaction. They're very efficient. They give you all the services that a bank should give with none of the BS or things that are difficult to understand. Because most people just want to do poor things with their money, with their accounts. They want to be able to send money, receive money, put money into their system and take money out of the system. That's it. And that's what these cashing places allow people to do. And that's what wallets like Paxful, um, Cash App, you know, M-Pesa allow people to do as well. And that's all people need. They don't need any complex financial instruments or this or that. And people in America are the same as people in the Philippines, the same as people in Nigeria, South Africa, Malawi, whatever. With people, humans, just want this very simple things from their money system. And whoever gives it to them is going to win. Because what we're seeing now, and this is a very interesting trend, is that the big banks like JP Morgan just gave Gemini and Coinbase an account. Right? What's going on? Are they warming up to Bitcoin? No. They're really not warming up to Bitcoin. What they're warming up to is the idea of getting traction in those emerging markets. Those are people they've never been able to access. And now they see these people are starting to turn to crypto. You better believe they want their foot in the door. Because these guys do not want to be left behind and ignored. So now, yes, they are opening the doors to Bitcoin because they understand that Bitcoin is a tool that is going to bring tremendous amounts of fresh blood into the financial system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Ray, that was great. Thank you very much for this interview. And uh, I really love the optimism you have and also like this, the strength in doing these entrepreneurial efforts. In which country do you want to start the Bitcoin Center? We believe we'll be in South Africa, in Johannesburg. I think that's a good bet for the first one. And then from there, we'll probably branch out to Nigeria and then Kenya. Great. What are the are these also the countries with the most usage of Bitcoin? Yes, yes, they are. Tremendous usage of Bitcoin on Paxful. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I hope that when this uh, COVID nineteen crisis is over, I can travel again, and then it would be great if I could visit you in one of these Bitcoin centers or to see one of your schools that were built with Bitcoin. That would be really great. Oh, I would love that. Yes, you are invited. Absolutely. The second, the third school is opening up in Kenya, in Machaco, in about a month. You are invited. I would love to see you there. And I think yeah, that would be great. <laughs> okay, thanks for all. Tell us, please, uh, where can people find and follow you and your work? I'm Ray Paxful on Twitter, and I'm rayapaxful.com. Uh, as far as email goes, you can hit me up there. I also Ray Paxful on Telegram as well. Okay, and thank you very much. Possible, yeah. if, you, if you get customer support, I might be the one of the guys answering you early in the <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah. You still answer uh, support tickets? Yeah, I do. And I do a lot of answering on social media as well. So I'm always trying to 
find the people that have slipped through the cracks, you know, a guy that might have gotten his account banned because he was just confused about something, but he wasn't actually trying to do anything bad. Those are rare, but, you know, our team is pretty good, but I'm always trying to just, you know, stay connected to the street and understand how we can improve our system because our challenge is tremendous. We are literally giving financial, giving everyone in the world access to every financial network in the world. And this is why things like KYC are still like broken industry wide. You know, we're leading the way in KYC where we are a very regulated exchange. We are, have our federal license in the United States going for all of our state licenses. We're the first peer to peer company to do that. So it's a tremendous balancing act. And, uh, I appreciate the community's patience there, but I'm always around. <laughs> Great. Thank you very much for everything you do and all the best to you and Paxful. Thank you so much, Anita. It's been my pleasure to be here. That's it for today. I hope you'll join me again next week. If you like my show, please write a recommendation in your favorite podcast player. If you're a German speaker and want to start using Bitcoin, then I recommend my book to you. It gives a comprehensive jumpstart into becoming a Bitcoin user with recommendations and safety tips. You can buy it on Amazon or if you prefer to pay with Bitcoin or Lightning, drop me a message at hello at anitaposch.com. I'm currently looking for new sponsors for my podcast, so please feel free to send me a message too. For new updates, please follow me on Twitter at Anita Posch and subscribe to my newsletter at anitaposch.com forward slash newsletter. Thank you for listening. Music, start with yes, delicate beats. Idea, content and production, yours truly, Anita Posch. <laughs>